Thanks for tuning in to Onward Upward. In today's episode, I interview Lamb School alumnus Jared Kessebaum, who's had quite the interesting story and is now in L.A. working for an up-and-coming advertising agency. This interview came about because he contacted me about an internship in London, which is definitely worth checking out. But I think the interview took a really cool turn into kind of some advice for current students on what the landscape looks like in advertising and really some good kind of ideas and some areas of wisdom for anybody who's in the job search and kind of the modern landscape of where careers are headed. So without further ado, my chat with Jared Kessebaum. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Onward Upward, my podcast for Lamb School undergrad students. I'm super excited today to have as my guest, Jared Kassebaum. Did I say your last name correctly? Yeah, you did great. Thanks. I'm realizing that I start every episode the same way with uh, trying to pronounce everyone's names and I should just look it up ahead of time. (laughs) And this is the the first episode that I'm doing remotely, so hopefully the technology hangs with us and... uh, Google Hangouts plus YouTube does its job. Well, let's get right into it, Jared. Uh, yeah. if, if you don't mind, I'd like to go chronologically. What what inspired you to pick Purdue? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I kind of picked Purdue from a, a loyalty perspective. Uh, my parents went to Purdue. My older brother went to Purdue. Uh, it had everything I wanted. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me even as, as you who were my counselor for a while at Purdue. But I actually went into Purdue as a physics major, oh, okay. um, and I so that, that yeah, so that was um, uh, that was actually a big reason why I picked Purdue was I was originally uh, in the school of science, um, and obviously Purdue's you know world renowned for that. And while we have wonderful communications and other programs, you know that that was why I chose Purdue in the first place was for physics. So uh, how long then, were you? How long were you in physics? Yeah, I switched out my second semester sophomore year. I was uh, about halfway through. Yeah, so. I switched out about halfway through. I had already, my last semester, technically as a physics major, I was already taking comm classes to, to transition. And then I ended up still picking up a physics minor because I only needed uh, four more credits by the time I switched out to get a minor. Fair enough. Uh, and so thought that'd probably be a fun resume, uh, fun fact to have a little physics minor on, on the top of my advertising resume. You are quite possibly the only comm student I know with a physics minor. So it definitely helps you stand out. <laughs> yeah, that was a, uh, that was an interesting experience. And, uh, I, I, there are a lot of days that I still miss, miss the math and science, but, uh, but I'm pretty satisfied with my career choice. Yeah. Tell me about that switch. What inspired you to switch from physics to communication? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a little bit of its own story. So I, um, you know, growing up, I was good at math and science and in my high school, you know, taking calculus and stuff as one of the I don't know, not to brag, but can't say it otherwise. One of the, you know, handful of students that calculus wasn't that hard for, yeah. I, I never really felt like I was given a lot of other options. And so my whole high school people were just grooming me to be an engineer pretty much is what it felt like. And I don't blame them because I, I get that when you see a gift, you want to nurture it. For sure. And so, uh, you know, when I was applying for colleges, I never really looked outside of the math and science fields. And so I picked physics, but then uh, mainly because I was actually given the advice that engineering would be too boring, but physics would be more fun, which was probably true. Um, And then, uh, but the end of my freshman year, kind of tragedy struck. And one of my absolute best friends growing up and best friends through high school uh, died. He was studying abroad 
um, in Wales, actually. And he killed himself uh, one night. And the aftermath of that left me kind of in my own pretty dark place for a few months uh, that summer and into the fall of my sophomore year. And kind of coming out of that season of my life, I kind of just decided, like, I want to try to pursue a career that's more people-centric and more uh, kind of have more of an emotional attachment uh, and be able to one day, you know, emotionally impact people in a way that I was starting to get scared that, you know, my physics career wouldn't be able to do. And with physics, I had really only considered getting a PhD and then moving into research because that's really most of what you can do in that. And then that just became all of a sudden incredibly unappealing to me in the, in the wake of my friend dying. And so that's when I started to look elsewhere. Uh, and I just started kind of inching further and further away from physics. I almost switched to computer science and I was like, that's still not really what I'm looking for. And then I almost switched all the way to theater because, you know, theater and film are things I've always been kind of passionate about, but they're, you know, just incredibly hard to find a career, or a, especially an entry level job in. And so kind of felt like I landed in communication as a middle ground, as a, uh, a career field that was both like had a reasonable success of finding a job and a career in, but then also having that kind of middle ground of, but it's still very um, people centric, very emotionally involved. Uh, I'm very, I'm like, you know, I like meetings. I like talking with people. I like client relations, stuff like that. So. Well, thanks for sharing that story. That's obviously, uh, you know, a, a vulnerable moment to share with us that kind of background. And I'm definitely sorry to hear about how you ended up in calm involved such tragedy. Uh, but, but thanks for walking us through it because I think uh, I talked to a lot of students in this podcast will hopefully have a wide reach from everywhere from students getting ready to graduate to students who are freshmen who may be interested in physics and thinking about switching and they might have a similar storyline path as you to learn that what you start in college isn't always the place you end. Oh no, then you have to, so useful. that's definitely something I think in college you have to learn is to let go of that notion that you were right at 18. But then even, I think I've even learned, you know, uh, in my two years postgraduate that you kind of have to just let go of that consistently, like year after year, you kind of have to let go that of the idea that what you thought you were going to do with your life a year ago is still what you think you're going to do with your life. <laughs> and so that's a, a kind of an important thing to just continuously learn to, to let go of. Which is great because I love these nuggets of wisdom that are sprinkled throughout the podcast. And that's one that I keep hearing more and more on other podcasts I listen to is that the amount of time in each job is getting shorter. Uh, so that's, that's great advice to have because I think the career landscape is changing in terms of a lot of our parents even worked in the same job for 30 years, got a gold watch and retired. For sure. Our our parents are often the ones either critiquing our career choices or counseling us through it when we're in a new landscape where the average first job might only last two or three years. And uh, these are showing that you might have three distinct careers. That's not three distinct jobs. That's three distinct careers. And I think that number will probably continue to go up. I think that's huge. And I think that, you know, talking uh, with, with my friends that are in the same boat too, I think that's just like, more and more abundantly clear. And I, I think um, that idea that you said of your, of the kind of the older generation, I do think that like, you know, my dad was in that boat too, like love him to death. And I don't, I think he did what was best for him, but like, I can't imagine having the same job for 30 years and then retiring. That yeah. sounds 
that sounds terrifying to me. And I think that, I think that a lot of people my age would resonate with that. And I don't actually think that's a bad thing because I think the, I think the overall market and the overall uh, industries are all kind of shifting toward that way, especially if you want to work in any sort of startup or tech um, situation, which is kind of where I found myself out here of uh, kind of like growing and blossoming companies. I, I know we're going chronologically, but moving to the West coast, uh, has like put me in a situation where I don't know anybody that works at a job more than a year and a half, pretty much. Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah. where are you from originally? I grew up in Indianapolis. Okay, uh, so from Indianapolis side. out to LA. Now let's let's hone in because I know uh, we've got yeah. limited time and we want to pack in as much as we can. So, when you were getting ready to graduate, uh, how many jobs did you apply for, and was it straight from graduation to LA? Oh no, my path's actually been kind of crazy. So. um, yeah, so I, LA was always kind of a dream to move to throughout my time at Purdue, but I was always kind of too scared to do it. And even approaching my, my senior year, the end of my senior year, I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go. I would wanted to go to LA, but then I kind of, um, in some ways, kind of chickened out. And I kind of hate that about my story. Like, I, I feel like I very much chickened out. And looking back, I'm kind of bummed that I made a decision more based on fear than anything else. And so I actually ended up moving to Chicago and took a job at a small production firm uh, in the west suburb of Chicago. And I worked there for about nine months. Wonderful job, wonderful employer. I still actually keep in touch with that boss. I was texting him this morning, even a really nice guy, but he, but, but just my time there soon after. We lost Jared. Are you back? Sorry, oh. we lost you. We lost you for just a second. And oh, cool. I think you were, uh, you were just finishing where you were at, at nine months and why you transitioned out of that job in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was there and then, um, that became apparent that I had moved there out of fear and kind of like, uh, went through kind of a whole kind of emotional transformation during that time of making sure that I never wanted to make any decisions based out of fear anymore. And so I, decided, you know what, I, even if I don't have a job in LA, I'm going to pack up my car and move to LA. So I actually did that about a year ago. Last March, I quit my job. I mean, left things very amicable with my employer there, of course, but um, and he was very encouraging. But the moved out here without a job, just kind of packed up my car. Uh, another big part of my story that we haven't gotten into is I also do um, stand-up comedy and improv comedy. And so that was a major draw of moving to Los Angeles was to pursue that more. And so even though I am working like scene for that too, right? Oh, it definitely is. It definitely is. But LA had kind of always been the dream. And I felt like I was young enough that if I don't make the move now, it's just going to get harder and harder to make the move as I get older. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I decided to do that. And so even while I'm here working a professional job, I'm uh, still performing actually, I would say three or four nights a week in stand up or improv. Um, and so that, that's a big part of my life out here too. But, uh, so yeah, so then moved out here, pursue that and pursue a job and uh, got out here last March, uh, was couch surfing for a couple months, landed on a house I finally live in since last May. It's a house with 10 guys. We split rent, it's pretty cheap, but it's, uh, I don't have any privacy. <laughs> um, yeah, we all have roommates and stuff and it's a fun house. I live like in Venice, uh, California oh, nice. on the west side. Um, and so I absolutely love LA. It's a totally different culture, but it's, uh, it's fun. And I like the kind of constantly going nature of it. And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but for me, I love the kind of constant, uh, everybody's got a side hustle. Everybody's doing something in their evenings and 
it's a fun, it's a fun little culture, I think. And I also kind of live like a little bit right next to all the surf culture. So I get a little bit of that too, which is pretty fun. Uh, and, and then drive into Hollywood a lot and do shows, but, um, but yeah, so then I moved out here. I was a barista for a while. Uh, I, I worked, I think I have six W2s for, yeah, I had six <laughs> W2s for 2018 that I just filed last weekend for taxes. Oh, fun, 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 fun. Yeah. So th- that, that was quite uh, hard. Cause actually a lot of those, cause I, I wasn't a California resident. And so I had to file in California and Indiana, uh, in order to be that, in order to do that situation. Cause that process is kind of hard and I've kind of avoided it. Uh, so to become a California resident. And so, cause I wasn't sure, completely sure how long I'd be sticking out here. Uh, at this point, I'm very confident I'll be here for a while, but at that point I wasn't sure until recently, especially getting this new job. And so I've been, I kind of avoided that. And so, yeah, I made taxes significantly more difficult than it needed to be. I need to do but, mine. I need to do mine soon and I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's not a good experience. Especially so from the, with, with six, with six different W2s. So from the time you pull into LA, how long did it take you to land a job in the industry? Cause you're working in advertising now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I work. Yeah. It took me, uh, 10 months. So it took me 10 months to actually get this job, but I mean, I was pretty satisfied as a barista and doing some freelance jobs. I was doing some freelance copywriting for a couple small businesses out here, as well as actually still continuing to do some freelance work for who I was working for up in Chicago, as well as being a barista and then making a little bit of chump change doing comedy every now and then. So I was kind of piecing together a living kind of the classic LA story a little bit on that end. Um, but yeah, it sounds like the classic story for a lot more students is, uh, kind of this gig economy and having to learn to, uh, have income from multiple sources. For sure. The gig economy is huge. And I think that another big difference from the generations before us is being comfortable with that uncertainty, especially, in our youth has become kind of a, uh, it used to be like a crazy part of people's story, but now it's a pretty, pretty normal and expected part. I mean, my biggest advice that I used to give all my friends with, um, graduating like the people younger than me and still, and hopefully this is helpful for the podcast, but this idea of like, I think when I was about to graduate, the only thing everybody seemed to tell me was, I just can't wait to see how good you do and like where you go. And I'm so excited to see you and you have such potential and all this stuff. And then you graduate and you don't get your dream job and you just feel like you're failing for months <laughs> is what it felt like to me. And have, and that was like an extremely hard experience. And talking to a lot of my friends was very similar of, of that experience of having to let go of this idea that it, you know, the pressure that nobody means to put on you by saying they're looking forward to seeing what you do, but it ended up putting this really deep pressure on yourself of like, man, people are waiting for me to be somebody and I don't feel like I am somebody. And having to let go of that is a really, really important part of these kind of like uh, part of our early to mid twenties, I think, and realizing that, that we aren't anybody. And even though people want us to do well, we shouldn't expect to have, you know, crazy success, even if we're rooting for it. What's that idea of expectation versus reality, I think too, which a lot of us deal with, not just in our professional lives, but our social lives. When you, you get married or when you have a kid, you've got this kind of archetype of what you think that experience is going to be like. And if it doesn't line up exactly, then you think, am I a good dad? Am I a good husband? And you kind of have to find that each of those roles is really unique in 
you and in your context. So that's excellent advice. Yeah. And I like, I like this theme of kind of advice to undergrads. Um, what are some things that you, you did at Purdue classes you took, the way you were, the way you approach things that you would recommend students check out while they're here? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think if, so I think that that kind of depends too on, on the track that they're going for. So like, I know all my engineer friends, which I know this podcast is not toward engineering, but I know all my engineer friends, you know, they work hard at their classes, they graduate, they get a job. That's just kind of the formula. It works like that. And as much as I love the communication program that I had at Purdue, just all of liberal arts is just a completely different ballgame. And so you can't look at your engineering friends and think, okay, all I've got to do is study and get good grades. Because if, if you want to do anything artistic, even close to artistic, even advertising or communication, I would say you, you need to actually like be working on what you want to do before you graduate. And so that, that was my main advice that I would give people that, that would ask me that were making a similar jump from, from a science related field to a, to a more liberal arts field is like, I, you know, I wrote a lot of, I mean, obviously jokes and stuff, but like I, I tried to make sure my writing outside of just my class material was something that was actually like something that I could show off. Um, I performed a lot. Again, that's very specific to me wanting to do stand up, but like, making sure that you're actually whatever your desired career path is for when you graduate, don't think that just because you have a degree, you're going to even be able to land that entry level job, especially if you want to go into like copywriting or something like that in the advertising field, because those things take portfolios. Those things don't take degrees. So you, you kind of have to place this like larger expectation on yourself and even some of your science friends of, of how above and beyond you're going to go, not just in your classwork, but actually in like, okay, you want to be a writer right. There's really, there's not going to be another thing that you can do. If all you're looking for is a professional career track at, at some sort of Omnicom or, or WPP type agency where you just want to work your way up from media analyst or whatever, that's probably possible. But if you want to do something that's uh, more like a passion, uh, you've got to really figure out a way to be doing that in the smallest of ways and then work your way in. Cause I, if I could, I'd love to go into a little bit how I got this job because I, it's a very kind of fun story. If that's of, um, that, that sounds great. Your time constraints are more intense than mine. So story cool? away, man. Yeah. 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 So my story, so I work right now at a company called, um, media monks. Uh, it's a Dutch company. Uh, they've got offices all around the world, headquartered in Amsterdam. They're a really cool international advertising agency. They technically call themselves a creative production company. Um, but they're really well known worldwide for their culture. Uh, and they call themselves monks and we're not employees, we're monks and all of this stuff. So when I moved out here, uh, their LA office is pretty close to where I live in Venice. And I had heard of them and knew that from an advertising perspective, they'd be kind of a dream to work for. And so uh, they're, they're consistently voted like top creative agencies to work for and stuff like that. And so back in uh, May, actually, so only three months after I moved here, back in May of 2018, I wrote a cold email to the LA at mediamonks.com completely cold, but I made the email as like fun and witty as I possibly could. Um, and kind of scoured their website there and for all the company culture and all the buzzwords that they use and all of this and kind of the work hard, play hard culture and figure out how to integrate that into my cover letter essentially, essentially. So I shot them, uh, my resume with what I thought was a pretty fun cover letter and, um, and they loved it. Uh, it, they responded and they were like, Hey, you are 
completely unqualified for the job you just applied for, <laughs> but we loved your email and we think you're funny. Do you want to come to our parties? So they throw these like monthly uh, rooftop parties on the roof that I'm actually on right now. And they throw these little monthly parties. And so I went very aware that it was probably a soft interview or at, or at least at the very least a networking kind of like, let's see how this guy actually is in real life. And so I went into it with that and they gave me a plus one and I brought one of my new friends and he knew very well that he was a wingman for me the whole night. And we kind of like went to this party and hung out and he, uh, and my, my, my friend, once he saw me just kind of turn into networking mode, he just kind of went off and I think he ended up watching MLB baseball on his phone or something <laughs> in the bathroom. And I just started like networking my butt off and ended up just talking to everybody at the company that I could figure out. And by the end of the night, I had accidentally stumbled into a conversation with the COO of the company who actually usually lives in Amsterdam and he was just here for the week. And we actually kind of struck up a little bit of a friendship that night, but it was a, it was a really good time. And he, we, uh, we have a really good time on these parties. And so we were all hanging out and he was, by the end of the night, he was like, Hey, like, I know we told you we don't have a job for you, but keep coming to these parties and we'll see if we can fit you in somewhere. And so, uh, that's essentially what I did. So for like six months, I came to these parties. I think I missed one for the next six months, but I came to these monthly parties from like June through January. And, uh, in January, the COO reached out to me and he was in town and he emailed me and said, well, we had kind of been emailing a little bit, so it wasn't completely him reaching out, but he emailed me and he said, Hey, uh, can we meet up sometime? And I knew it'd probably be some sort of opportunity, but I wasn't sure what it would be. And, uh, he essentially offered me a job uh, in January to be his, uh, what he calls like a personal producer. So I, technically I'm like an associate producer, but uh, any work that he wants me to do, it comes first. And so a lot of my work is helping him prepare for pitch meetings that he has because he's kind of the face of the company. And so he'll travel around the world and pitch uh, to different companies. And he'll often email me while he's on flights or on the road and all and I'll help him kind of pull together these different pitch decks. We just use like Google slides and we pull together pitch decks for him to meet up with, I don't know, some big clients, HP or LinkedIn or whatever. And, uh, and we're talking through that. So that, that's been a really cool opportunity, but it all started with a cold email. That's another piece of advice that I try to give people nowadays too, is like, don't necessarily just look for jobs, but like look for companies you want to work for and then figure out a way to network into that company. Cause that's going to matter so much more in the long term of like finding a company that you're passionate about and that there can actually be any reciprocal passion on that. Cause if you just start applying for jobs, you're not going to stand out, but if you can like prove to them that you're actually passionate about the specific company you're trying to work for, that can be, that can actually end up being very fruitful. That, that's a good point. I've been reading a book uh, with career advice and they talk about the, they call it spray and pray. You put out a ton of resumes to a ton of different people and you just sit there and pray that one will hear back. You'll hear back from one. Yeah. And they talk about being strategic, picking companies that are a good fit and working really hard on fewer, you know? And so you worked really hard on this one. You've spent six, six months partying. I don't know if we can call that, uh, a complete uh, difficult thing to do, but uh, well, yeah. you know, you put you put a lot, you put a lot of time and effort into it for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and like, and you have to approach it the right way. Not that I'm the model by any means, but it definitely has worked out really well. Of like, 
being intentional and follow up emails and making sure that you, they know you're interested. And I mean, it's actually spiced throughout those six months of me coming to these little rooftop events. They, this was actually the third job that I interviewed for. And I interviewed for one in July, I interviewed for one in October with this company. And both of those jobs, they turned me down and they said, actually, we got to go with somebody more senior level. Uh, again, we like you, but you're just not qualified enough. And I said, okay. Um, and, and then I just kept coming. And then it was the third time was the time where they were like, you know what, this is actually something we think you can do. Um, That's awesome so. and a true inspiration to somebody who's listening and, you know, getting ready to head out onto their career adventure, which... I think the biggest thing for me in talking about what happens post-graduation, I've been in my career about eight years officially now, is how long it is. You know, you, you break you break life up into these tiny chunks, middle school, high, high school, four years, yeah. undergrad, four wow. years, and maybe grad school too. And you don't realize that when you get started in your career path, that's, you know, 30 years or more. And no one's going to break it down into chunks for you anymore. You've got to break it down into your own chunks, right? Yeah. 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 And you gotta, well, and you be- gotta be cool with like knowing that you don't have control over it. And I think people always talk about like, Oh, there's no jobs in LA or it's so hard. And it's like, that's not really the case. It's, there's no jobs that you would consider your dream job or like, it's hard to get that job or anywhere you go. It's going to be hard. And we're talking about the job market, but I think there's a lot of times where we got to like, make sure we humble ourselves to be like, okay, maybe I'm just going to be a barista while I still look for that better job. Um, rather than giving up or just complaining. And I think there's, there's that amount that needs to happen too, of like knowing that, you know, we push so hard for those like one year out of graduation job placement rates or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but just being patient and knowing that just because you've graduated doesn't mean that you're going to get the job you want, even if you are going to get a job. And it's a marathon and not a sprint. Yeah. Those, those, job placement rates are often in terms of a starting salary because they look at a snapshot one year out and for our students in liberal arts often those are not as strong but what long-term studies show is that you develop the kind of creative outlook critical thinking skills teamwork these transferable skills that mean that when you're at your peak earning power 20 years into your career you're actually doing quite well but you do have to be able to kind of uh be a self-starter right yeah. Yeah. And you've got sure. to, you've got to actually, you've got to actually bring it, you know, it's different to hire an accountant who probably has a fairly defined set of skills versus I'll have students who say, you know, I want to be on ESPN. So, well, it's great. We can engage in coursework and internships that will help you towards that path. But at the end of the day, you know, that's yeah. a performance art, right? Do you, For sure. do you have it or do you not have the, the it factor? Yeah. I think especially in our modern job market, there's so much a need for that mindset of like, I'm going to make the job that I want. Um, because there's, there's very rarely going to be what we want as a job application on a website. Like you have to find what you want and then map your actions towards your goals and come up with that set of skills that then an employer can go, okay, they're good at that. Let's hire them for that. Um, almost making yourself into your own kind of mini little business um, that people are not just hiring you to fit their structure, but hiring you because of your skills that you market to them. 
Yeah. And as a concrete example, I actually had a fellow advisor advising has its defined set of skills, communication skills, organization skills, this type of thing. And he jumped to a new distinct career in corporate training, um, compliance training. So he had to develop learning modules. So he's dealing with, you know, essentially curriculum, uh, but in a corporate setting where they had to make sure they dotted all their I's, crossed all their T's in a similar way to what I do for students. Uh, and it was interesting to see, oh, there's transferable skills there. How There's how his career kind of progresses and moves. And he yeah. created his own job. He said, here's somebody you need. I am that person. Let's make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially in advertising, which is really the only, you know, industry other than comedy, I would say that I, that I know at this point at all. And even then it's still just such the beginning, but like, you know, even just the defined roles of copywriter or art director, or of course, like business development on the business side or something like these things are, are so much more fluid than that. And, and being able to say what you are more than just what the job application is and be able to tailor your cover letter specifically to who you are and who the company is. is so important these days. People that, I, I mean, I know I used to do it, but it's such a folly to write one cover letter and then exchange the company name at the top. Every time you apply that there, you can see that it's obvious and that's not going to be, but you need to actually tailor who you're applying to and, and your goals toward each company and, and figure out a way, okay, this company does this, I do this. How can those things get connected? It's, it's, um, it's a harder process than just uh, copying and pasting a new company name at the top. It's probably not even worth the 30 seconds it takes to delete one company name and insert another. If that's what you're going to do, you might as well save those 30 seconds, right? For sure. For sure. I used to get so frustrated with internships too, because I remember like, you know, an internship is, is supposed to be entry level. So why would they not consider me? And that's just like totally not the case. And after graduating and realizing like, you know, when I was in college, you know, internships that were available of like, especially some of my more comedic aspirations of like, Oh, I want to intern for Fallon or Colbert. And I'd apply to those and never hear back. And like, why would I never hear back? And then like talking to the people that have those internships and I've talked to some people that do, they, you know, have mapped out, okay, well the first year I need to have an internship for a local talk show. And then the next year I'll have an internship with a medium sized daytime talk show. And then maybe my senior year I'll have an internship for Fallon or Colbert or in some way map, like, so it's more than just kind of, again, that spray and pray of like, if I apply, it's entry level. People don't realize entry level, especially in a liberal arts field, doesn't just mean you have a degree. It means you have a degree and you have specific skills that back up the fact that you want to work for that company. And that's a really nice balance because you mentioned kind of then having some strategy. I'm going to have this type of internship, then this type of internship, then this type of job. But to loop back to what you started with, you've also got to have a lot of flexibility. Yeah, no, for so sure. It's kind of planning for the best, but then adapting when you meet that new person who says, you know, I could take you on this alternate tangential path and going with it. We have a course where we bring back liberal arts alums that I encourage students to take. And a lot of times those are the, it's not the individual people, but it's the themes and one of the themes is often taking advantage of opportunities when they're in front of you and not waiting around and thinking about them for, you know, long enough that those opportunities dry up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want, I want to be cognizant of your time. This has been, yeah, no, I appreciate that. This has been excellent, but uh, this started cause you guys are recruiting, right? For your, oh, yeah, office? yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, we're kind of, we're actually blowing up right now. So I would say uh, there's kind of constantly a hiring need on some level. Uh, yeah. That specific job, I think is still available as an internship. I know they are hiring a, like a, essentially a junior producer summer internship in our London office. Um, I also know that our LA office, we just posted like nine new jobs, not internships, but new jobs. New on jobs. The, wow. Yeah. They're, um, yeah. A little background on the company. We actually just like merged with a couple different companies back, uh, one last summer and one this January. And so, uh, they're actually like, we just went public actually too. Uh, and so we're getting a ton of new funding and a ton of hiring and, um, our technically the, the, the merger that we did in the summer merged us with um, this one kind of investment capital firm in London uh, called S4. And the head of that capital firm is this guy named Martin Sorrell, who's actually Sir Martin Sorrell. He's a British knight. It's kind of fun that my boss is a British knight technically. Yeah. And, but he used to be the head of WPP, which is one of the massive advertising uh, holding companies. And he actually dropped WPP to start this new holding company because uh, he was facing too much friction on what he wanted to do. And so we were actually his first kind of like merger that he had with that holding company. And uh, so anyway, so because of that, that's kind of placed us on the world stage all, all of a sudden. And he's used our media monks culture to expand the culture of that holding company. And so every new acquisition that he's had have been um, partly with the understanding that they would mirror our company culture. And so that's been uh Pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds like you're really at the to be a part of that, that ride, right? So yeah. students were interested in media monks. They would just Google media monks, and the website would come up, and then they would get to the career section. Yeah, no, we do have that for sure. The career section, again, at this point, there's a lot of jobs right now. Yeah, um, but the the London one is the one that's specifically an internship that. Um, again, I think I emailed you guys about it because it's like, uh, it'd be cool to see more bowler makers on that, but it's also like, make sure you attack it with that kind of tenacity of, of like, this is a company I actually want to work for and here's how it works and don't just spray and pray and, and write a good tailored cover letter. And that's their response to that. Even the job application, I don't know if you read it, but if it's student free, it like, it's so witty. They, they, they really, uh, highly value that wit. So. Yeah, that's great. And uh, one of my goals in having a podcast like this is then the students who listen to it will not only learn long-term things, but they'll learn how to better apply for a concrete internship in London that sounds fairly exciting to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Hopefully, we'll get some fellow Boilermakers on board with you. Maybe I'll check back in in a year or two years and see where your career journey is headed. Sounds great, man. Appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Have an excellent day. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Jared Kessebaum as much as I did. I feel like we covered some really important material when it comes to looking for jobs, looking for jobs in LA, the changing career landscape, including a company that you might look to apply to, Media Monks. To find more, just go to MediaMonks.com. And as always, feel free to hit me up with questions at jdexter, that's J-D-E-X-T-E-R, at purdue.edu. Thanks again for listening and have an excellent day.